0: It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL. If you have thyroid eye disease and itchy eyes have you itching for a fight, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit treatmyted.com. That's treatmyTED.com. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car from TrueCar. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a true cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or at home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. (laughs)
1: Welcome in, everybody. A little different show here, as you can tell, a little different voice greeting you. I'm Mike Renner, hosting today with Dr. Eric Eager of the PFF Forecast of the analytics team here at PFF. Sam and Steve are gallivanting around New York City at the moment, uh, eating way too much on Sports Illustrated's Dime, uh, way too busy doing fun stuff to be hosting a podcast. So that's why you have us, too. And so... Eric, how's it feel to be back on the main stage as it is? Uh, yeah, we're back here working
2: while, you know, Steve and Sam get to wear half of a nice suit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and they get to talk about uh, football for a few days in New York City. We are, however, tomorrow night are going to have a draft show uh, featuring you and, and George and a little bit of a cameo for me. So that'll be a lot of fun. I think Chris, the boss, will be here as well. So uh, still not
1: not all is lost in Cincinnati. In fact, yes. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Definitely will be. So, tune into that show tomorrow on the YouTube channel here for the PFF guys. You can watch the Sports Illustrated show on either Sports Illustrated's Twitter or their website. That'll have Sam and Steve. Uh, I think we're going to have a little more fun. It's going to be a little more entertaining, yeah. but that's just my opinion. I may be a little biased on that. But a couple big news issues to touch on that we thought could use an analytics slant to it one being the Frank Clark trade two being Washington rumored to be moving up and targeting a quarterback in the draft here coming up so the Flint Clark trade though Eric right off the bat I mean we were gonna hate it giving up picks we've said before we didn't even like the Cleo Mack trade and Cleo Mack was as sure a thing as it gets in terms of being able to rush the passer you know you're getting a guy in his prime we didn't even like that so Eric what does the data say (laughs) yeah I mean
2: frank clark's a great football player right he you know he has a lot of he has a lot going for him last season if you look at sack totals he had 13 i think officially um but you know we look a little bit deeper we look you know 13 plays out of 774 for a player is not going to really sway us as much as his pressure rates were a little bit more modest uh, against the run he hasn't always been strong and so like i think he's a better player than d ford our wins above replacement metric our historical grades will always point towards that um but and i a lot of people on Twitter are comparing him to D Ford. Um, we saw Lewis Riddick do this. We saw mm. do that. We seen. No, major, he refused
1: to do that. Actually, Lewis. Yeah, he refused to do it. Yeah. So, uh, so which in and of itself is comparing them. But yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, but the, the, it's not D Ford versus Frank Clark. It's Frank Clark. You know it 's Frank Clark, but you lose a first round pick, you lose d Ford and you lose the 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 surplus value there. ford was a very team friendly deal for San Francisco Clark, kind of the opposite for kansas city his his uh salary cap hit this year is a little under five million next year it 's twenty eight uh for a team that is just getting under. The cap having lost Justin Houston and Ford, and you know in the trade of Alex Smith a, a year ago and things like that, so I, it's kind of puzzling for Kansas City. We know that coverage is more important in many cases than pressure, and the Chiefs still—they're—they're they're, they're one of their top three corners is Prashad Breland right now. Another yeah. one is Travarius Ward. So <laughs> there was going to be corners that fell to them at twenty-nine. That was a sweet spot for them. They gave up. They gave that
1: up for Frank Clark. Yes, uh, and the big thing here to me is. Okay, so I don't think Ford's the great comparison because everyone wants to make that comparison and say, oh, Ford wasn't a scheme fit. It wasn't going to fit into their run defense, uh, which is a whole different conversation of whether or not you can fit a talented player who's that good at rushing the pass like Ford. If you can't fit him into your scheme, I question you as a defensive coordinator. But all that aside, it's more the difference between you knew then this whole offseason when you hired T. Spagnuolo that D. Ford wasn't a scheme fit. You knew this. And yet you passed on a deep, deep edge free agent class that included Trey Flowers, who was a scheme fit, included Preston Smith, who would have been a scheme fit, included Z'Darrius Smith, who also would have been a scheme fit. You know, these edge rushers that actually could have come in for zero picks giving up. You absolutely skewed that edge class to then trade for a guy who you're paying more than any of those edges and uh, all, you know, Frank Clark, a fantastic player. In his prime, not even twenty six years old yet. There's a lot like to like about him, but he wasn't elite by any means in terms of he's not Khalil Mack. This isn't you're getting yes. Bob Miller. million. You're not getting that guy. He's not like, even Demarcus Lawrence, frankly. Right? Yeah, I mean,
2: and, and doesn't this I think this is diff- interesting in tomorrow night's the draft, right? And and the the thing that we rag against for trading up is you don't know, right? You don't know as much as you think you do. So mm-hmm. giving up. Multiple assets for a chance is not necessarily sound in football. You just laid out a case for in free agency, it's the exact same. When you can choose between Zazaria Smith, Preston Smith, uh, you know, folks like that, D Ford on your own team, Justin Houston was, was available for an amount of time. And Trey Flowers, you, yeah. Trey Flowers, and you decide to, to give up multiple assets because you think that among those players, this one of the them, best. this yeah. one's the best. I think that that's a, a faulty a faulty way to go about business. And so we even see it in free agency, the the overconfidence that is that is inherent in the NFL rears its ugly
1: head. Yeah, and I, I just think if you objectively look at it, they spent you know, more money this season than they had spent last season at Edge. And got worse. Uh, Justin Houston was productive last year. D. Ford extremely productive last yeah, year. Yeah. Now, what, whether those guys will continue in the future, I'm not hating on the decision to let Ford go or Houston walk at his age, when with his injury history. Yep. But you had other options besides giving up first and second round. Yeah, so that's now, why.
2: And now it leaves you with so so 2017. They looked at Terrence Mitchell's 2016 season, where he was worth about a, a half. You know. A, uh, One fifth of a win, right? And they—they're like, okay, even though he's unproven, we're going to go into the season with him. Complete flop. Last season, they're like, okay. You know we were going to go into the season with David Amerson as our as our third corner. It eventually had to be Orlando Skandrick, mm-hmm. and that was kind of a flop. Charvarius Ward has a representable few games. Now they're going to go into <laughs> the season. It seems like they continue to repeat the same process. Brashad Breeland played you know th- three hundred thirty snaps. He was below replacement level last year for Green Bay. He's had he's had an up and down career. good year in twenty fifteen. Good year in twenty seventeen like you 're the Chiefs I think you 're making the wrong bets right now, and you know when Pat, the Patrick Peterson thing came up yesterday, I was pretty excited because again, if they get him for a second, it starts to feel like the Rams last year. This feels like the Ram- like they 're reaching to be the Rams last year, which is uh, tough for me. That being said, you have the best quarterback in football, you have one of the mm-hmm. best offensive minds in football they 're still a favorite yeah. to, to win the Super Bowl. I just think long term you look across and you look at like you look at Chris Ballard in Indianapolis, Brett Veach in Kansas City, you just have to be afraid that they're gonna lap you at some point.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it w- so they're obviously we're not saying this makes them a worse team this year. They're probably better than they would have been with that first and second round pick yeah. this year. We're saying that the decision making over the entire course of the offseason could have made you better this year yeah. and given you more picks this year and better better long term in the future. So that being said, that's our take on the Kansas City Chiefs trade. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks got an absolute steal. Good for them. Uh, They they know firsthand that dealing first-rounders for talent, to pay talent at market value, uh, can gut your roster. Because one, you don't get to sign free agents. And then two, you don't get to draft first-rounders, which they went a while with just not hitting on draft picks. And that's why they kind of had that mini-rebuild of late. So that's that. Let's move on, though, to the Washington Redskins, who are rumored to be looking for a quarterback moving up from 15. And I kind of said it that they're in a bad position. I said this earlier in the season. They're in a bad position. They they, they can be one of the few teams that are going to say, we're going to suck for 2019. We're just going to be bad. And then we get it next year. They're just It's not a great quarterback class. And to get the fourth guy and you know, third guy and not a great quarterback class yeah. is not ideal. So just take your lumps this year and then hope you get you know Tua next year if he's really the guy. But... They look to be having the opposite take on this,
2: right? And and do you see do you see any any option for them, right? Because at fifteen, they're going to be overbuying any quarterback in this draft, right? Like if Daniel Jones falls to fifteen, it's going to be because even the New York Giants didn't want him, yes. right? If Drew Locke falls to to fifteen, it's going be because even Denver uh, didn't, want him, yeah. didn't want him, didn't want him. Haskins, yeah, same thing, but. The the one option that I think they did have to salvage this season would be to have traded for Josh Rosen, right? Because you he's already surrendered the rookie, you know, first year part of his rookie deal. Uh, there's some known to him, right? So you've seen him at the NFL level, and Jay Gruden's not. Jay Gruden's okay at you know at calling plays and things like that. So he could mold an offense around him in that in the, in Washington. Like to me, that's the only place where they're going to have value, and it doesn't seem like even they are willing to do that. Uh, because this looks bad, i mean if they if they surrender future picks because it 's not only going to take a pick this year it 's probably going to take picks next year that when they 're actually ready to win football
1: games that 's going to be really rough that 's the biggest thing to me and why this makes me uneasy and if I was a redskins fan i 'd be a little upset about this is the fact that if you 're moving up anywhere considerably to go get one of the quarterbacks, so go get. The second quarterback off the board. Say yeah. Kyler Murray goes one. You want to go up and get the second guy. You think Daniel Jones is your guy. You're giving up a 20-20 first rounder. Yeah. Like, that is what you'll have to give up. A second, a third, a fourth in this draft. I don't think it's going to cut it. You're going to give up another first rounder, which at that point, that roster, the way it's set up right now, is probably going to be a top ten pick. Just not going to sugarcoat it. It's not looking great for them in 2019, So you're giving up another top 10 pick, which that could turn into a legit quarterback in maybe a better quarterback draft. I just... For sure. I wonder what the... How far, so this rumor, how far they would actually be willing to go, or if it 's more just they want to jump Miami if someone falls to that sort of spot
2: and, and miami 's interesting right, so we were talking about this on the forecast the other day. What Miami does this year is really going to be an interesting study in how to sort of tank right because if they if they don 't take a quarterback and they sort of like trade down right then Or, like, if they trade down or don't take a quarterback, but at least they don't trade up, then they don't necessarily need to tank-tank during the season, right? Because... The only reason that you would have to go after the number one overall pick in a draft to, to lose all your games is if you have no means to get to the number one pick other than to lose all those games. Mm-hmm. If Miami were to trade back or Miami were to you know be smart and, and push picks off into the future, they don't have to go 2-14 and 14 to get the number one pick mm-hmm. because they're going to be sitting there with pick six and pick... 27 or you know that that and so it's it, i'm really interested to see a miami's approach to this because it looks like they're bringing in some pretty smart people with flores and company and so that that to me you bring up miami is super interesting do they entice washington to make a terrible decision to move up two spots yeah uh,
1: for for as you said maybe the third or fourth best quarterback in this draft yeah the trades that will go on draft day are very interesting that'll be that'll be my favorite thing to watch for draft because i'm hearing the rumors four quarterbacks are going to go in the top 15 four Which is Uh, only one less than last year, which is a (laughs) historically good quarterback class for uh, four-go top 15. The the Broncos, Dolphins, and Redskins all in that range are going to be the jockeying there. Will be interesting to watch, but we'll get to that, obviously, tonight and see what happens. We're just going to get to you guys a little bit, pull back the curtain now about what we went through this draft process, what we've been doing, and our sort of dynamic here with the analytics team and the scouting draft team mm-hmm. in terms of how we came about just all the work we've done this spring so Eric the floor is yours How is, how what have you been up to lately
2: so we've done a, a decent amount especially for offensive line and QB of trying to project how a player is going to do in a particular scheme mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's important like our interactions with the teams our interaction with media people who know football really well have led us to the yeah buts right and the yeah buts always being yeah you know this this guard like dalton reisner's good but mm-hmm. here are the number of things reasons why you might be wrong about him or you know we run this right so this player doesn't actually hasn't ever actually done this so can you consider this uh this part to your model and everything and that's been extremely fruitful but then the the great thing is that we get to talk to you guys every day, right? So our initial modeling like so we we run our models and initially we have Jonah Williams not necessarily as good as as expected. And yet, you know, I can watch your video or I can read your post or I can just talk to you in the office about why you think Jonah Williams is good. And so then like that's not always going to adjust my my metrics and not only adjust how i go about my life but it's going to it oftentimes will lead me to think oh am i accounting for this variable properly or am i am i am i adjusting for context properly am i projecting am i am i considering sample size too much because as as you said before it's like You know, there are going to be some positions where sample size is just going to be the curse you have to deal with all the time. Mm -hmm. And there are some positions where sample size matters more. And and so it's been a really great experience. And we don't always agree. I think, like, I'm a little Mm -hmm. bit higher on Dalton Reisner than you are, and maybe not as high on Jonah. But at the same time, like, I have converged a little bit on him. And I can certainly see why, if I'm wrong about Jonah Williams. Why
1: I would be? Yeah, and that's one of the, definitely the best parts about having you guys in the office. And why I've loved coming to the office this spring is because we go back and forth on Dalton Riser has been one especially where I'm just like you know I worry about this you know the fact that he probably didn't face one edge rusher yep. besides Montez Sweat that's going to play in the league that's actually going to play. I just like I worry about that and and having Jawan Taylor having faced Brian Burns, Josh Allen, yep. two guys who are going to go top fifteen. It's just. Those guys are going to win at a high rate. There's just that adjustment level uh, is difficult to sort of bake into the data. Uh, Have you guys made what kind of sort of headway have you made in terms of basically just the that whole problem in general that exists in college football in terms of adjusting for competition, who you're going against, what the grades actually, you know, when to skew them for that. Yeah.
2: So we, I mean, we do have power rankings for every single, you know, basically every single team. That somebody will face, and so when we when we go and back test Carson Wentz, for example, the thing about it is that he's facing like the lowest graded team because he's facing Division One, AA or you know FCS, and we also have for quarterbacks we have it baked in like if we have their own teams PFF Elo rating in there as well. Mm -hmm. So Murray and we got a discussion about this on Twitter yesterday. If Murray's playing with a bunch of NFL players. That should be baked into the model. If when if, you know if Daniel Jones, as some of you talked about last week, if Daniel Jones is playing with zero NFL players on his team, like we should consider that, and it it shouldn't swing a guy you know two percentage points in his in his passer rating or or his uh, completion percentage during the course of a projection. But what it should do is it should it should move it you know marginally, mm-hmm. and and if it should break ties uh, mathematically. And so um, you know we have put in like Dalton Reisner, for example, like. You know, we ha- it, his projection did go down a little bit based upon like some adjustments to you know his his schedule and things like that. And same thing with Juwan Taylor. Juwan Taylor went up. Uh, you know, he's probably you know if you put all, all told, you know, a top five tackle even in the you know and an analytics part of this projection. So
1: it, th- those things are well are well founded. You especially see it at the QB position, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that has helped us in terms of figuring out which throws actually matter. Yeah. And seeing you know you know some seeing that not just you know guy, having guys open in like the Oklahoma offense with Baker Mayfield, yes, he has more guys open, but he's also hitting them hitting them accurately. Even if a guy is open, is yeah. still something that's difficult to do. That not a lot of guys do.
2: Yeah, and and the cool thing is like we get to challenge these narratives, right? So for example. You know, Washington State, Andre Dillard, like, you know, we I think historically would always say, okay well, he's a Washington State tackle. So we have to like drop him. His his ceiling isn't very high at the NFL level because he just isn't doing what he's going to do at the NFL level. And somebody like you can go in and look at the data and say, well, actually, like he's got a decent amount of full pass sets. Mm -hmm. Our model adjusts for that. Right. So we have a play by play adjustment for time to throw how many pass rushers, things like that. And and we're coming to similar conclusions at the quarterback position. Like I think, like early on in like the '90s, like guys like Andre Ware would win the you know Heisman Trophy, get drafted, stink. Mm-hmm. You know Dave Klingler for Houston, same thing. And, like, so people would shy away from these, you know, Big 12 offenses and things like that, these air raid type offenses. And now we're starting to see, well, actually, like, we can learn a ton about a quarterback because in those air raid offenses, they have a clean pocket. And we know clean pockets, uh, you know, tell us a lot about a quarterback, both if he's good or not. If a guy can't make good throws from a clean pocket repeatedly in the Big 12, I don't care how good his arm looks type of thing. So um, it is like I think what's really cool is that we get to challenge all these narratives and we get to build uh, upon our existing knowledge. Mm hmm.
1: And I've talked about this. We've talked about a little bit our plans for the future in terms of I think the more we can put just data and numbers to everything we do yep. being the ideal scenario in terms of uh, we have all this grading for all these positions. And one of the, my favorite things, one of the things that gives us, I think, at PFF watching the tape and building our draft board, the biggest head leg up of anyone who actually does this is the fact that we can do cut-ups of anything you basically want. We can watch yep. all you know, 80 snaps where a guy went up against, you know, had uh, 2.5 plus seconds. So all 80 snaps that off had 2.5 plus seconds yep. to throw. You know, a normal pass blocking size, we can press one button and we get that cut up of all those 80 snaps right away because of the data we track and the tool we have to do that. That's one of my favorite things. I want... I think that in the future, what's going to happen is we're going to track even more of that for even more positions. We do it for quarterbacks now. Offensive line already gets a pretty good uh, sort of run through in terms of every play, getting that interaction data who you're going up against. Even more tracking for wide receiver and cornerbacks, uh, other positions on the football field to get basically a sort of scale, uh, even more detail for every single play to then drill down to and be able to you know just pull out the things that actually matter
2: yeah I mean the fun part about football is there is irreducible noise right yeah but the more of it that we can sort of take away and chip away at the better and and I think for offensive line play you know the the you know the article we wrote a couple weeks ago but like the the proof is in the pudding the fact is is like especially for pass blocking the grades do a terrific job of projecting how a guy's going to do at the next level uh and you know And as long as you build in some uncertainty associated with like where he's picked, you know, what type of scheme he's in, all those types of things, you know, you can do a pretty good job of saying if he's good here, he's going to be good
1: there. And and that's all really what we're we're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's that. Well, I think it was a good conversation. Uh, We didn't really want to do too much here today uh, with Sam and Steve out just a sort of brief overview of how we've gone about this draft process. But Eric, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me one guy in this draft class that the analytics, the numbers solely itself, hate that we think even on our draft board, you're like, that's too high. And one guy that the analytics data you think even on our draft board, you're like, he's too low. Uh, Man, that's a, that's so,
2: and the draft board. So I haven't acquainted myself as much. So Will Greer is the person who's too low on everybody's draft board. Okay. And I, the problem is, is I, I respect your opinion enough to not say Daniel Jones for the second one. <laughs> um, so,
1: uh, I will say I saw so. Greer, the stat that really jumped out to me when I was drilling through our quarterback charting data was he on throws within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. He was off target, I think, five percent of the time, like five point five percent of the time, and that was like far and away the lowest. Like he was yeah. on target at least. And
2: what's the most important thing about football is to take advantage of. It, the, the, there's two things that uh, that are inherent in football. One of them is not making mistakes, mm-hmm. and so the things that are given to you take them all the time. Yeah, and and then the other thing is plus plays, and we've seen Will Greer like like on over the shoulder throws on like deep plays, like most big time throws in the class. Yeah, yeah. So like w- when you're looking at a player like that. If if a player's like Tom Brady, one of, and I think it was you that said this on Twitter, Tom Brady's ability to never throw an inaccurate pass underneath the coverage mm-hmm. is one of his biggest strengths. And then, of course, Greer I think does have the potential to hit those plays over the top. So that's one. Um, oh yeah, that's that's the twofold you have to be able to you have to have both yeah. you can't just be you can't just cody be Kessler. cody Costa that's, exactly. that's yeah. the name that came to my mind uh completely um i think so l- let's go to center eric mccoy i think is is somebody who our analytics are really high on uh both as a you know, winning and winning as a run blocker but winning as a pass protector uh texas a.m center uh you know there are some teams that need players there, uh, and mm-hmm. I and I think he's going to be a good one. Um, usually, like our rankings for these have been pretty close, and that just a name or two flip. And I think by virtue of position scarcity and value, like a guy like the difference between the second and third best center on a big board is like to fifteen positions, uh-huh. right? So that's kind of like where. But they're really not that. Yeah, but they're really not now. that different. It just depends upon how the board shakes out. So that's somebody that I I kind of like. Um, yeah,
1: let's go with that. All right, Eric McCoy. I had issues with him at the senior bowl. It was the biggest okay. reason why where he he just struggled against bull rushes. But I do try I, I I can see it. I think he could be good. Well, thank you Eric for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Enjoy the draft this weekend. We'll be back after the draft breaking down everything that happened and we'll have videos uh, on the YouTube channel breaking down all the selections of the first round some of our favorites from day two and then day three as well maybe some of our least favorites also and make sure you guys if you want the draft guide we're running a special right now pff 19 or oh gosh that's not the actual one. it is draft 19 gosh that would have been bad if i gave you the wrong promo code promo code draft 19 you get 25 percent off so elites instead of 200 for the yearly it's 150 edge instead of God, I don't even know how much it is normally, but it's twenty five percent off of what it is normally. And you get this year's draft guide, you'll get next year's draft guide if you get the year subscription because we'll drop it in before that, and you'll get maybe a preseason draft guide before uh the season starts. We're so August. we're
2: so rich with data that like we're like the person who doesn't know how much a gallon of milk
1: costs when it comes yeah. to data. So it's like something. Uh so there you have it, guys. Enjoy the draft. We'll be back next week. Have a good going.